Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc, and the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Hello, Christine. Fresh, Emothy. Oh, that almost <laughs> rhymed a little bit. How are you doing oh. on this fine and that's why we drink day the, oh, slash night? Thank you. Well, I'm, um, I, it's April Fool's technically when we're recording this. <gasps> And oh I, I didn't think to fool you, but I did wake up and Blaze said it's snowing outside. And I was like, ha ha. And I thought he was fucking with me. And yeah. then, sorry, I swore already in the first two minutes. <laughs> and then I went to the window and looked out and there was literally snow on the ground. I'm so angry. It was 75 degrees a few days ago. And I'm oh my thrown for a loop. I'm cold again. I turned the heat back on. What's happening? I don't know. I'm not loving it. How are you? Um. Well, I woke up really early today. And- what? Why? Is that a... Oh, you're fooling me. No, I'm saying... Well, (laughs) I guess in a way I'm fooling myself because my version of early is not anyone else's early, so no one would pity me. Basically, I am a walking fool whether or not someone tries to prank me today. Um, But You don't need to, okay? Leave us alone. We already know we're fools. You don't need to make a point of it. I did wake up at like 
nine thirty, which it was tough for me. That's early I, to me. Okay, well, you and I are on the same page. About we both that. know I function better in the middle of the night, so going to bed at four and then waking up at nine doesn't feel great. And no. So I did wake up thinking you must be fucking joking, like <laughs> to the skies. Oh and, no. So I anyway. miss the times when we would record in person and bring Starbucks, except Ugh. part of me misses it, but part of me doesn't because it was really, oh, you have, star- oh, well, then get away from me. Okay, Actually, this is, this is a uh, knockoff Starbucks. I'm just using the cup. <laughs> oh, I was so. like, it doesn't look like any Starbucks drink I've seen before, but no judgment. But I do miss those days. It was so much fun. It was like a, a little hangout with a picnic and snacks. I know. And we didn't, never actually recorded. We would sit there for five hours and then be like, well, I guess we can record tomorrow. Like, it was just a nightmare. For we would just Eva. have fun. We would just have fun. We would just have fun. And then so much stress. But fun at the first half. So Thank God okay. Eva's around. I mean, I, I don't know how exactly that fits in, but I do feel like at least someone else is holding us accountable. I agree. And I think having the um, doing this over Zoom means we have to actually set a time like we have to show up on the computer. So it's been actually kind of nice to have a a schedule where we know we're going to be done at a certain time, which is good because today I'm getting my second COVID vaccine in a few hours. I'm very Um, happy for you. I am still sitting here zero for zero in these empty arms. These empty vessels of mine. Those biceps haven't been juiced up. Well, Eva's have yesterday. She managed to get on there. So you better hurry it up, dude. I know. Now that get both of lists. you now that both of you are at least ahead of me in the vaccine race, I'm feeling a little <laughs> FOMO. Um but also we were just talking about this. I have an incredible fear, which I'm willing to get through, but I have an incredible fear that the vaccine is really gonna just wreck me like uh, like the the second one how people have been saying that the second mm-hmm. one is really bad i just have a feeling within me that i'm one of those people i tried to comfort em and i was like hey you know what? a lot of people don't get sick and like uh you know i think it'll be fine at least you know it'll be gone in a few hours and em was not having it they were like it's not going to feel good, and so I'm not happy about it. And well, I, was like, okay. I also feel like my my time is due. I feel like I because the last time I even had a minimal cold was Florida, which was March. Which we named an entire state after your illness, so like that's how bad that's how well you know traumatic it was for poor Emothy. You know what's weird about Florida though? That was March 13th, 2019, and then March 13th, 2020 was the day the pandemic oh, I, of lockdown. What are you doing to so us? So this March 13th, I was really white knuckling it, hoping that something wasn't going to happen. Luckily, nothing. I did. just glanced at my calendar. Okay, good. <laughs> we, we've we've made it through. But <laughs> since I haven't, I've literally have not been sick at all for two years. I am terrified that the world is going to be like. You've had your time in the sun. Let's bring you down okay, to Earth. Okay, but the thing with this is not, it's not a real illness. Like, you're having some reaction to the shot, but, like, it'll, like, it's not going to, like, last for more than a day or two. Like, it's going to be gone, which I is know. the good part. I know, but it'll be, it'll just be a taste. It'll just be a taste of whatever yeah, karma's coming yeah. my way. It That's all. Good. I mean, I'll text you tomorrow because my, when I got the first one, it kicked my butt and, like, that's not even supposed to really happen, but my immune system's so shot and screwed up that, like, it just freaks out. So uh, it sucked. So I'm getting the second one, and it's going to probably be bad. So At least I'm you're doing it advance. on a Friday. So, like, that's you know- why I scheduled it. For- it was supposed to be when- uh, Tuesday of this week, which is the day before recording, and I was like, not <laughs> happening. Not happening. I'll, I'll tell you right now, whenever I get my shot, the next day, next two days, I... I don't, you don't know who I am. I am, oh. I am. It, oh, yeah. Oh, Do not worry. I'm away. So. I will be MIA as well, uh, out of the office, as they say, um, and just in bed. So don't worry. 
Um, well, I'm yeah. very happy for you. I'm very happy for you. Thank too. you. I mean, I'm just glad that things are rolling along here for a lot of people and finally, finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, oh, and can I say one thing real quick that yeah. I, I keep meaning to mention and I haven't yet? Is that so? Em and I recently did a gift opening video, mm. well, a few uh, with Eva. Many. Many. Um, and I recorded those over Zoom. And so I have to um, get those edited and put up. I haven't done that yet because, you know. Oh, is that life. is that it? Is that the. Uh, uh, no, there's one more thing oh. I want to mention. But so just to let you know, they're not, not all of them are up yet, but we're working on it. Um, oh, yeah. And I wanted to say thank you because uh, so many people, A, sent great gifts that M and Eva opened on their end in Burbank. And then I was like really surprised because I had quite a few boxes here in Cincinnati. And I was like, oh my gosh, people sent them directly to me. Like I wondered what they are. And they were, a lot of them were just so kind and like thoughtful. And uh, the one that's like every single night gets me like sort of teared up, which usually is after some wine, but that's besides the point. Is it the blanket? Yeah, it's the blanket. It's it's on my little blanket ladder and it just makes me emotional. So the ATWWD Stitchers group, which is, I guess they crochet and knit and all that good stuff. And it's, I think, a Facebook group. And um, they, so I opened this beautiful, like, lemon, like, handmade blanket. It was, like, all these lemon squares and, like, so cute. Um, And I was like, wow, somebody made this. And then I read the note and it was all these different people. Everybody sent one square in that they made for the blanket. And then somebody put them all together for me as, like, a, I don't know, like a a A gift after. Yeah, like a beautiful gift from everybody um, after the, like, the whole miscarriage video. And so I was just so... I don't know. It was just so kind and like I was so taken aback and had no idea this was going to happen. So just want to say thank you to everybody who was involved in that, who wrote a nice note, who took the time to mail like from Australia, even like a square in to put make this blanket. And I'm just very thankful. So there's something different about it than just a normal random act of kindness. It feels like yeah. I think because it was such a global collective a project, random yeah. act of kindness that so many people like rallied together for a, and something you didn't even know was going on. But it really was so sweet. I remember seeing it being like, I don't know what the story to this is, but that's one of a kind. <laughs> it was like jaw dropping. And it's so beautiful. I mean, I was amazed. And I was like, wow, I have zero talent again. I rem- I'm reminded every day. But wow, it was. And then uh, the, our our pals on Patreon like made uh, gave Ugh. us some really great gifts and donations. I mean, we're just uh, really thankful and we don't deserve you all. That's my that's my message. That, if, if you weren't a part of it, uh of some lovely, lovely, lovely folks. I think it was 85 of them because I was counting. But <laughs> yeah. uh, they ha- they put together a listeners episode. Oh, but it, was, so it funny. was instead of people sending in listener stories about, you know, ghosts and all that, the listeners wrote in stories about how and that's why we drink was important to them. And then the, the <sighs> two uh, Patreon folks who were running it, they filmed themselves and it looked like they were doing a podcast. <laughs> like they were impersonating yeah. us and they were doing like all of our like, mannerisms which i didn't even know i did some of them but i realized it when when they did it and um and then at the end a la original old school listeners episodes when we used to read all the patreon names at the end oh yeah they read all the people who contributed in some way to the video and it was so sweet i i just sat there in awe i sat next to eva who was crying like it was it was a very it was emotional experience so thank you everyone um, those are just two highlights, but we got yeah, so many Yeah, we things. got a lot of kind gifts and letters and cards. I mean, we're just thankful for you. And I feel like it's hard to kind of express that sometimes because we open them by ourselves and you don't yeah. see it necessarily. So I should you. also mention now, I, I in 
in the one day of us opening gifts, I got three menches on benches. So, <laughs> which apparently and asked for, we don't even remember. <laughs> so, which I'm cool with. I mean, one of them is hanging out right there. One of them is in the living room. I mean, like it's fine. But uh, we've, if you were planning, if you were like, oh, I really got to get a, a, new, a new mench on the bench for M. I'm good. But thank you. <laughs> Em also ate the last of the caramel apple lollipops. And I said, you spoke too soon because we're doing a gift video. And lo and behold, more caramel apple lollipops. So I now have two new uh, brand new bags of caramel <laughs> apple pops. I have so to funny. It's one of those things I'm just never going to get rid of in my life. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, you've cursed us in like the best way. I don't know. Uh, so, But yes, thank you for mentioning that. Thank you so much to everyone who sent us anything. It's if just you was really like, cool and special. If you would like to send anything in the future, you can send it to 1920 Hillhurst Ave, number 265, Los Angeles, California, 90027. Or Christine also has her own P.O. box. If you... I don't know it. It's on our website, though. <laughs> oh, okay. If you want to it's send anything specific to Christine. But um, yeah, so I mean, we're not saying send us presents, but it is. it was just really special. And send thank us you presents. For, well, M is, uh, but not caramel apple lollipops because we have enough for now we'll tell you when we run out we're grateful we're very grateful very and, grateful uh, just taking the time to appreciate you so yes you. so um, that's all my updates but cool well i got a story for you i don't know actually i don't have too much of a story but a, an info dump if you will yes um and it's just because our the last episode that we did uh just to jog your memory Oh my god, are we supposed to talk about the fact that we just hung out with Harry Carnation? I was going to say, are you talking about how we literally met Rain Wilson? Okay. Uh, yeah, we ne- we're just going to skate right past that? Wait a minute. We literally got to Zoom with Rain Wilson. We sure did. Like, I don't know how else to even like express that to you, and but we then, did. And then, as if the divine were, were here for us, ironic because they're also going to kick my ass with the vaccine but they they bestowed upon us a second chance and we also instagram lived with him so we've now spoken to rain wilson twice in our lives what is happening that we like we don't deserve any of this so we're just so humbled this week very this definitely the most exciting thing we've ever done probably will ever do and uh thank you everyone uh i must i'm speaking prophetically because i Mm. don't know yet because we're filming this we're recording this the day that that episode comes out. Right. So I don't know how you'll react to it, but I'm just going to assume it's positive. And I'm going to say now, thank you so much for all the warm, kind words. And, <laughs> and it if means you, a lot to us. Yeah. And if you saw like, oh, we have a guest episode and you're like, I'm going to skip it. It's really fun. It's really short. It's uh, Terry Carnation played by Rain Wilson. So if you're like, I don't know who that is. Um, it's worth checking out. He's so funny. And like one of our actual heroes, like, you know, the yeah. character is a character, but like in reality, also, we were like fangirling out and uh, fan theying out. I don't know fan, how you say that. Fan peopling out. Fan humanize, humaning out. I don't know. Mm. Uh, and so it was just really cool. So if, you know, check it out. Let us know what you thought. We had a good time. We don't ever really have guests, as you know. So this was very special. Yeah. All of a sudden, we, we got the opportunity to. <laughs> An email just slips through, like, do you want to talk like, to Rain what? Wilson? And I was like, I sure do. <laughs> I sure do. I couldn't answer because I do that thing where I immediately close out everything, all the tabs in my head when something comes in like that. Uh-huh. And so it took me like six hours. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I do. Does anyone need to actually ask me that? The answer is yes. My, but, wow. I was like, Eva, this is just an early April Fool's joke. Obviously. Yes, I thought so, too. Um so thank you to everyone for who tunes into that episode. It was very, very special to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the final thing I have to update everyone on is by now the escape room is up. 
Oh, yeah. And I had such a fucking miserable week. If you were to ask me why I drank this week, that was going to be my answer. Because I, I, if you recall, back during our 200th episode, I surprised everyone with an escape room. A lot of people fucking hate me now because of that escape room. Mm-hmm. Because Including me. Apparently pretty, pretty tricky. Not everyone can FaceTime M during the escape room to ask for hints. Well. And I recognize my privilege in that way. So, well, and then because during that 200th episode, I also said I want to make this a, a more of a thing for Patreon people or I, some some paraphrasing of that where I want to make that a perk where if you are part of our Patreon every, I said quarter, so every three months you'll get a new escape room from me. And so three months have come and I have made another escape room. It is on Patreon. Um, it is Harry Price themed <laughs> and uh, I hope that you have fun with it. And because I also recognize Christine's privilege in being able to just ask me things um, for, I think. I don't always get an answer to be clear, but I can ask. So for all next week there, I'm going to have different times where I'll, I'll at least have my DMs open, but there'll be like an hour each day where that I post about where people can just like reach out to me and I can help you. All right. Catch the me in there so. then because I'm sure I'll need it. So anyway, uh, and this is coming, and I'm saying this for the next week. So, you know, what, whatever, April 4th to 11th or whatever. I'll let you know, but thank you to everyone who is participating in that. Moving on to our story slash info dump. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes and there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper 
and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I was like, do you not want to hear it? No, I just, I don't, I know we already, you already said, and I yelled yay, and I don't want to Oh, okay. pretend uh, I'm surprised again, since I already heard it. <laughs> wouldn't have hurt my ego, but that's fine. Yay, uh, what an info dump? Holy crap. I've I never know. even believed, believed such a thing could happen to me today. I know, I better? know. Okay, so to jog your memory from last week, we covered the abduction of Laura Clark um it was a real shit show she has been through a lot and uh one of her memories beyond just hanging out with the grays hanging out yikes with the (laughs) grays for many 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 decades of her life one of the characters that she happened to see during this was this massive like six foot completely black praying mantis talk about that and uh she said that she could tell telepathically that it was like the leader of the group when she was on board and she got the immediate without even having looked at him yet full body experience of complete dread why did you make me yell oh i'm so excited (laughs) before you told me this i'm sorry um you're not but okay so i was like well i want to dig more into that and so i want to see like what what is it about a praying mantis that felt evil or something So I ended up looking up mantis aliens, which is a thing, apparently. I don't, I don't appreciate it. Well, buckle up. Great. We are going to go straight into surprisingly very little information I could find on mantis aliens. But most of this episode is just going to be quick stories that of people who have experienced uh, these beings. (sighs) So the first thing I'm going to say, this is from... This is according to a researcher named Dr. Boylan. And Dr. Boylan, uh, when describing these creatures, said that they have long, narrow faces and long, narrow eyes. And the eyes slant up and down, uh, very much like an insect. What makes them look even more like praying mantises, uh, this is a quote from Dr. Boylan. They have extremely thin, long torsos, long, extremely thin arms, which are usually crooked at the sharp bend at the (laughs) mid-joint. And with the hand and fingers sloping almost vertically downward from the wrist. So imagine that these little fellas, these puppies, are arms, like forearms. Stop it. You know? (laughs) I don't Uh, like this. And legs also bent at an almost right angle at the mid-joint, creating a crouched pose. The overall effect is the characteristic praying mantis look. It should be noted that the experiencers feel that this type is no insect, but rather an intelligent, sometimes gentle spirited and jerky moving human lifelike form. They are both males and females. What about non-binaries, Dr. Boylan? Nope. Um, Apparently not. (laughs) And they are usually described as standing at six to seven feet tall. Um, So that was a full quote from, from Dr. Boylan. But just to give you a, a quicker definition they are often dark brown or green. Sometimes they're black. They have a segmented exoskeleton. A lot of reports um, from people who have been abducted, they've said that they see some sort of weird oily substance coated all over uh. them. So they look really shiny. But other people have described it as metallic looking. So they think that their skin might be just like kind of like a 
exoskeleton. I'm thinking like a beetle, how like they're... Yes, yes, yes. Because also a lot of people have said that their experiences with praying mantis aliens, they also were uh, hanging out with an alien that felt very beetle-like. So Oh, yeah. okay. Weird. And a lot of times these creatures are in robes. Sometimes they are nude. But... I think the <gasps> scandalous. I, th- I think the robes are maybe an indicator of like a higher. I'm not gonna lie; rank. it is it is slightly comical. Uh, don't be mad at me, mantises, but it is comical to picture a large bug in a robe. That makes me feel a little better. It's more comical to see a large bug in a robe and then another large bug without a robe because Naked. it implies that one of <laughs> it implies that they need to be clothed. Yeah, you're right, or that it means something to cover up. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, <laughs> so weird. Uh, really, if you're thinking of a praying mantis, you're probably spot on in the characteristic. It just yeah, I looks, picture it. I it just it. looks like a humanoid praying mantis. And this alien is not only called a mantis alien, sometimes it's called a mantidian or a mantis man. The, <laughs> okay. The, the mantis men are after me. Ooh. So there are several theories as to where they even come from. Most people, I mean, I'm just, I would just run with the group that says that they're aliens. Okay. But another theory is that their insect-like nature actually implies that they're from Earth originally because they look so much like a creature that's already here. Right. I like to think of it in the reverse of like maybe praying mantises are just little versions of them from space. Oh my God. That's a really good point. Now in my head, I'm thinking maybe praying mantis- bugs on earth are just tiny little like first years and like <gasps> they're they're doing they're their newbies. training yeah oh my and gosh how interesting the the bigger they get or the longer they're here the more evolved they become okay well now you're uh, extra freaking me out okay by the way if anyone's listening to this new spot a praying mantis cover its ears because i am giving away its secrets um <laughs> Also, some people do think that because insects have been around forever, they if they were alien in any way, or like that little theory I just had of like, maybe they are super intelligent or something. Since insects have been here forever, they have had a lot of time to evolve. And that's why some of them have reached this ascension of the, this high intelligence and they don't even so live on our planet anymore. So if you see praying mantis in a robe, run away. <laughs> Something it's been it's evolved to an evil state. If you see a praying mantis, take a picture of it and Photoshop a robe on it, and then show it to him and put it on his vision board, and that's oh, he can manifest. <laughs> a mantis manifesting. Yeah, I love that. A mantis man who's manifesting his mantis robe. man. Oh, that's kind of sweet. So a lot of people do want, like to back up their argument with the fact that the oldest insect fossil is around four hundred million years old. A a cool 400 million yikes so that would give bugs if they've been around for 400 million years you think what have you know humans done the time sure. that they've been here but if bugs have had 400 million years to evolve then there's no reason to assume that they haven't uh, achieved greater heights than we're aware of that's heinous but um, thank you it's pretty terrifying a lot of people yeah. think that that includes advanced technology and so they're actually maybe they're not in the sky maybe they are living amongst us but they have this technology we're not aware of that keeps them invisible and so there's just giant praying mantises all around or some shit like that feels very QAnon-y but yeah a little bit <laughs> there's also this one is very fun there's a I think a group of people the it seems like it's a catch-all for like indigenous people in South Africa it's they're called Khoisans Khoisans 
K-H-O-I-S-A-N. Coisans? No idea. Okay, well, one thing that's really cool about about their group is that they say that the praying mantis was the first creature on the planet. <gasps> Interesting. I haven't even heard that. That's it, really... Essentially, it feels like um, it sounds very godlike in that it gave us animals. It gave us fire. It gave us all the things we need to sustain ourselves. The mantis did. Yeah, a praying, oh, wow. praying mantis. And apparently, uh, I thought this was funny too, the praying mantis created the moon by throwing a gallbladder into the sky. Oh, was this gallbladder retrieved in I don't, a I positive it, way? That's a great question. I don't know. Way? I don't know where the gallbladder came from, but Ooh. I'm hoping he just kind of like did his mantis magic and kind of just summoned it or something. It's yeah, he didn't just like find someone sleeping and like cut out their gallbladder and throw it into space. Of all things, though, like why a gallbladder if you're going to pull anything and make it the moon? I wonder if it looks like a moon. Like mm. there must be some connection that they would say gallbladder. I'm I don't know. Gallbladder. This is a big mistake. Um, this is a big mistake. This is a big Good mistake. Luck. Good luck to you. Oh, it's only diagrams. Does it um, look like a moon? Short answer: No. Okay. <laughs> so well, the, it's changed over time, much like the mantis event, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's evolved into a planet, or not a planet, a fucking rock. <laughs> a big <laughs> okay, fucking you know what? rock. Forget it. It's just a, it's like it's like lemon. He's just like a really petrified gallbladder. It's <laughs> just really come far in his existence. Also, he glows bright white for for light years. <laughs> also, I don't recommend if you're not like in medicine or not used to this kind of thing, don't Google gallbladder photo because instead of just a normal photo, they just show you like bad ones that you don't want to see. I can't remember what it was. I just had to look something up that was really really awful for my internet algorithm i forget what it was it was something where i was embarrassed i was like is Is it QAnon?" (laughs) well that was something else i was embarrassed about being on my computer i don't remember what it was i'll I'll have to think about it and let you know but i remember thinking like this is really bad that that sounds really awful (laughs) Uh oh well i guess then i don't have anything to complain about It, it was one of those things where like it actually wasn't bad but completely out of context out of it context horrid. um okay so yeah so people think or some people think that uh the praying mantis was actually the first ever creature which i think is part of the argument of like some people say that the praying mantis was even potentially you know god or the first creation on earth mm-hmm. there's insect there's proof of insects from 400 million years ago and actually there are even petroglyphs that may be up to 40,000 years old of praying mantises. Mm, wow. And even creepier is that, because that wasn't creepy, but I'll tell you how to make it creepy. Apparently that those drawings that could be up to 40,000 years old had weird little circles drawn all over their limbs. And I think researchers are saying that it implies that they were humanoid versions uh, it's like uh, it's a total like theory. Like there's no proof of this, but the circles on the limbs imply that there was more of a roundness to them on their extremities, so like feet and hands and things like that. Ew. And uh, so it just for the people who think that a praying mantis maybe like have been walking this earth or over 400 million years has highly evolved itself, and there's proof of potential humanoid praying mantis from all the way then it's it goes with the theory of like there are praying mantis aliens and even you know people forty thousand years ago were running into them that's so, definitely scientifically exactly what i was thinking 
Right. Well, apparently the <laughs> the carvings that they've been talking about or the drawings they've been talking about, these petrographs, petrographs, am I saying Petroglyph? Right? Petroglyphs. Yeah, I know I was saying that wrong. They apparently suggest that this creature, which by the way is a bug, it was in a stance where it looked a lot like the quote squatting man motif, which has been seen in a whole bunch of carvings all oh, over. Oh, interesting. The lawnmower man decided that my window was where he needed to I be. I don't love every time. I tell you this every time, but like we'll be recording and I can't hear it from my end. So all of a sudden M will like freeze and look behind them like really quickly. And I <sighs> feel like someone's about to murder you in front of me. It's I thought startling. I was, I heard what I thought was a chainsaw behind me. So I was a little terrified. <laughs> okay, this time fine. I'll give it to you. But anyway, so yeah, the, the petroglyph looks like uh, this weird stance that a m- bunch of other drawings from all over the world from thousands of years ago have been seen as drawing wow. but it's a this one's a bug so i wonder too if like you know how sometimes they would give i mean i don't know this for a fact but i feel like i've seen where they would give human characteristics to cre- uh, creations or i don't know um beings that they looked up to or like thought of as a higher mm. status like not necessarily it looked that way but maybe they were applying human characteristics to like an animal or to an insect or something like that like maybe it was just representative of like symbolic how they perceived this praying mantis as like godlike i don't know i went to one exhibit at the cincinnati museum center about the mayans and now i'm like suddenly think i'm some sort of expert so just probably ignore me yes that's exactly what a lot of the researchers were talking about which is like anthropomorphizing yes thank you sorry that was a dumb way of saying literally the word well the only way i ever think of anthropomorphizing now is because when i learned about it in social psychology the example they gave us was how like if you look at the front of a car you can see a face with like the two lights and the Mm -hmm. bumper and all that and so now every time i think of anthropomorphizing anything i just think of car like little cars fully loaded like with the the flat the little eyelashes on the headlights and stuff i hate that (laughs) it freaks me out so much but anyway you are completely right that that people are saying maybe they were just anthropomorphizing things that they had seen near them but other people are what happens when you go to museums kids oh the one time the one time uh also so this is where it gets a little wilder um a lot of people say that since bugs have been around since before the dinosaurs they have had like how I was saying earlier with the evolution, they have had a lot of time to really perfect their advanced technology. And they've also had time to perfect their own awareness of themselves. And therefore they Ew. are, their technology and themselves are heightened in a way that we can never match unless we're also around for 400 million Which years. like the rate we're going, we won't be. But no. uh, <laughs> And I, I feel like I keep saying ew because it's like my instant reaction. But I, re- I recognize how like stupidly ignorant that is because... If anybody, if any other creature or alien being were to think of humans evolving to what we've become, they'd be like, ew, <laughs> big ew, <laughs> big fat ew. I am um, a human and I'm like, ew. Um, exactly. So I, I get it. But also I think it's just an innate, rea- innate reaction of like, I think humans and bugs evolutionarily don't necessarily get along super well. I, I also know. just don't like bugs. So I, and I don't like the idea of a- being abducted by aliens. So combine the, the two. combo. Not good. The two to me is something I don't really like. Um, yeah. I just don't want to come in contact with it. I like how you say, I don't like bugs. And I say, evolutionarily speaking, humans <laughs> and insects. So, like, I don't know why I can't you just. You are a woman in STEM. And you know what you're talking about. And I, I just don't like bugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that when I, my ex, she was a, a bio major in college. And so one of her classes was like. All she had to do was catch bugs all oh, year. Oh, yes. And she literally, 
for a year, I <laughs> my girlfriend would have to walk around with her in her sticking out of her backpack like this the day one of that class they all got butterfly nets and oh my god and the professor was like you have to have this with you everywhere you go because you never know when you're going to find a really cool bug and so for a year we just i would walk around all the time with her carrying a butterfly net and you never knew what you were going to find and then their final project was like showing all the bugs that they had collected it was awful that's (laughs) sad are you killing all those poor bugs i look no comment i'll I didn't like it to begin with. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, on many levels. Um, so because so many people think, I think that I think it's um, not the craziest argument to think if things have been around for four hundred million years, they've had a lot of time to grow. That makes sense to me. But then mm-hmm. it starts morphing into some stuff I don't totally agree with, where. Uh, they were, it turns basically into the aliens either creating or coexisting with the reptilians. And for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of people out there who think that like lizards live under the ground. They're like humanoid lizards who are in charge of the earth. And named Hillary gonna, Clinton. <laughs> named Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it, it become. I have no doubt that there's some QAnon people who believe in like praying mantis aliens living amongst us. Mm-hmm. Not to say the people who are not in QAnon also think that, but yeah. it really starts to very quickly get into oh well if they are bugs with higher intelligence then they're they've also created other creatures to be their minions and do their bidding and and take care it's very of us conspiracy or, theory like yeah f- almost fear-mongering type of yeah immediately and their uh their advanced technology apparently includes them being able to now shapeshift and go invisible at will um oh so now you for all you know they're around listening to you all the time and if you're lucky and you catch them in the middle of them not camouflaging those are the stories people have witnessed of well, mantis aliens you have to catch an uh an enlightened one because then you'll just see a robe floating around and you're like what is that and it's his invisibility like, cloak <laughs> yeah you'll be like why does that robe have six arms oh no oh my goodness why are arms your... a praying mantis has probably not six but why are you your thighs idea. going backwards in a row <laughs> oh god yeah, you're bending the wrong way oh my god so Ooh. in many abduction stories people have said that these mantis aliens appear to be at the top of their hierarchy and they're supervising others um a lot of people have said they've never seen them outside of the ship and so they're not usually the one that does the direct kidnapping or abducting of people Mm. they just happen to be on the ship all the time maybe that's for the best like maybe let's leave those guys out of sight out of mind for a little while it also i wonder what the conspiracy theories follow of like of like oh well you never the only time you can see them on the only time you can see them is when they're on the ship because when they're not on the ship they've been following you invisible or something like yeah i I wonder how how wild it gets but people have only ever been able to see them for the most part at least when they're being abducted they've only been able to see them on the ship also there's a lot of reports of them being able to give off a calm energy if they want to uh, that they seem like they want to protect earth and they have the power to, like, calm down abductees telepathically. I don't know who Laura met up with, but I that was, was like, <laughs> well. the, the rogue dark lord praying mantis. Yeah, it sounds very Star Wars. <laughs> and that's why We Drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. 
You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Many contactees have also said that they were shown holographic pictures of Earth being destroyed, but it wasn't because that was like their mission. It was it was the praying mantises showing them how reckless we are and what's to come if they don't interfere. Yeah, I mean, that part I can get on board with. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people have also said that some contactees have had experiences with having higher psychic abilities after their time with a praying mantis. <gasps> Interesting. So because a lot of people think that these praying mantis aliens have the power of telepathy, maybe because you're near them or maybe they gift you this or however it goes, people end up having this clairvoyance about them for the rest of their lives after an experience with a praying mantis alien. Cool. There was one uh, study. So Kathleen Martin and Denise Stoner are both uh, people who have been abducted and they wrote a book called The Alien Abduction Files. And they came out with a study about 50 different abductees that they interviewed or uh, surveyed in some way and they found that quote 72 percent stated that they are more sensitive or intuitive than they were prior to contact Mm -hmm. and 79 percent stated that the develop that they had developed new psychic abilities after a contact experience Ooh, okay so that all sounds fun but there's also people like laura who felt dread and danger and it says that the praying mantises want to like take over the planet or are completely evil or however she said it Some people have also agreed with her and also said, like, we need to be prepared because uh, the praying mantis aliens already have a hybrid program on Earth where they are taking humans to create a new species with them. Quick cue, quick cue, quick cue. Yeah. How, hmm, how do, how does one prepare, I guess, is the question. We need to be prepared. Sure, I'm on board. I'll be prepared. What the hell are you talking about? Be prepared. Quick A, quick A, quick A. Um, because I don't know. Um, I, so not a quick A, got it. <laughs> so a very boring one. I, when people are like, oh, be prepared because they're they're breeding us with their own kind. It's like, what do you expect me to fucking do? Be about prepared. That? Like, well, yeah, well, like uh, that's just. Okay, what? how? Do just what? sit here and with my little tin hat and hope that no one comes I'm by? I'm telling you. Anyway, th- that's 
all the information I could find, but here are some stories about them. Ooh. So the first one is from 2002, or it's from the early 2000s. It's actually in 2004. But as of 2002, this space in New Jersey had had several sightings and reports of a creature that now is a local cryptid there. And it's called the Mantis Man or Mantis okay. Men. And so now that's like a local lore. And I don't even know if they consider it an alien or if it's like their little, like their Bigfoot or something. But anyway, there's an area in New Jersey that has Mantis Men. And one report was in 2004 that basically there was this guy fishing with his boss and he was chest high in the water. And from the corner of his eye, he saw a seven foot humanoid moving around them. And the, uh. by humanoid, humanoid, massive praying mantis and seven wow. feet tall. And you're in the water chest high. Like that's, that feels like when you're trying to run out of a dream and you it's so <laughs> vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. You're like frozen in jello. Wait, so what was it in the water? Do we know? Or was it just kind of floating? So he, so he was in the water fishing and from the corner of his eye, he saw it moving also in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, Ugh. He kept, he originally was calling it a grasshopper, which I guess is pretty similar. Yeah. To, uh, I think they get confused sometimes. Yeah. They're just like the plebeian version of the, yeah, the, they the praying mantis aliens. If <laughs> only try. they could never. Um, so he kept calling it a grasshopper at first, but he said that he first noticed this creature's thigh. So I guess he wasn't too deep in the water, but noticed that it was bending the wrong way. <sighs> and then <sighs> their eyes locked as if <sighs> both of these creatures could see each other. And the way that he explains it is that he thinks the creature thought he was camouflaged and he was shocked something could see ew em no don't say that to me so here's a quote i get the sense that he can't that he can't believe that i'm in the water that i can't believe that i've seen him that i'm not perturbed at all something of all three i don't know just astonishment um, oh my god <laughs> um i hate this very i just hate this very much that's all Look, I also hate it. Um, I also hate it because that if he's right where he thought the the thing thought it was camouflage, that means next time you're chest high in water, it, there could I, be one just like oh, hanging correction. out. I will never be chest high in water ever again. Ever that's, again. That's my new mission in life. So thank he you. said, well, he ended up saying that it did look like a praying mantis, and then he said, "quote." And no, I would not say it was a big bug. It was definitely humanoid, despite the mantis slash insect qualities. I sensed the strong impression that the mantis man was cloaked and I caught it just right. It abruptly found itself against a new background and was adjusting quickly. And I can tell you that its arms were normal and not the literal mantis forelegs that I have seen in drawings. So that's a a mod podge of... uh, It's interesting that he like got the sense of like oh i it, he was trying to be careful because like if they're telepathic yeah he, like, fully understood what the, what was happening which Such i don't a think good he point. would without that <laughs> do you think he just heard like whatever the the praying mantis language is for oh shit oh shit He's oh like, shit. shit no i thought i was wearing this cloak God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh like i said the mantis man has now actually become a local cryptid in new jersey even though it has very minimal sightings like i think fucking three or something but how traumatizing if you were that fisherman and you're walking around and like now they sell like stuffed animals of it and you're like i don't want to see this guy everywhere like just i I, all i had was his thigh and i don't want any more of that you know (laughs) camouflage him please so apparently the mantis man in new jersey is known to be a seven foot tall bug-like creature seen by people in or near the river and it's been featured on monsters and mysteries in america fun fact oh 
the last person to witness it was someone named Mr. Strickler. I don't know if that's like a code name or something. Principal. It sounds like a principal. Yeah. Mr. Strickler reminds me of Mr. Strickland, which was the principal in Back to the Future. So that might be my, I don't know, subconscious. Maybe you're telepathic now and I'm just gathering all this evidence. No clue how I knew (sighs) that. Hang on a second. Uh, So Mr. Strickler says, quote, I noticed something to my left. This is the most recent person who saw the Mantis Man. I think it was 2011, but I, I wrote the, I wrote it, the information. I didn't write it down. I noticed to my left something standing in the river just off the south bank. I showed the car, or I slowed the car down and I looked closer. It wasn't a person and it was transparent-like with a weird shape. That freaks me out that it's transparent because that means yep. it's invisible or yep. has the ability to be. It moved slowly towards the bank and into the trees. I drove further so I could see it coming out of the trees, and that's the last I saw of it. It was tall, eight feet or so, and had long, thin arms hanging off of it. The color was a pale brown, but I could see right through it. Yes. No. So no. I don't know if the all of these are now stories from this book, but I would say most of them. I would say half of them are. I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six stories, and they're all super short. At least three of them are from a book that I actually read many pages in, and I'm very proud of myself. It was called Real Aliens, Space Beings, and Creatures from Other Worlds. It's by Brad and Sherry Steiger. And it look, if you're into the Praying Mantis aliens, they that book had at least a whole chapter on Praying Mantis stories. So go check that out. And so a lot of these will have been from that book. Others are from different articles I read, but in case you're wondering where some of these came from. So one of the stories is a guy from Paul in the UK. This was literally two months ago. Uh, He was 26 and at 5 a.m. he was riding his bike home from his night shift and he saw something orange and bright in the sky and thought maybe it was like just a really bright star or something and it was a lot closer than it normally is. So he stopped to take a picture and right when he was about to take the picture, the object started rotating around and moving by itself. Mm-hmm. And he got this gut feeling that he needed to leave. Oh, and no. when he tried to leave, it began to follow him. Because <gasps> so, this is what my dumbass would do. I would be like, let me get a photo to, se- to send to M. And then like right. immediately it would follow me. Like, I'm screwed if I come across this thing. Well, naturally, he had to get home through a forest, which means he was now <sighs> by himself being followed by a glowing orange star. <sighs> and uh, he said that the woods felt eerily creepy. And then, quote, standing a few meters ahead of me is what I can only describe as a humanoid praying mantis. This thing was at least seven feet tall, light green with a triangular head and big oval black eyes. It had all the features of a mantis, but stood on two legs and had somehow human-like shapes about it. I was completely frozen with fear. And then Paul says that they locked eyes, just like how that fisherman did in New Jersey. Paul says that they locked eyes and they were staring apparently right into each other and they could read each other's minds oh no here's what paul experienced with that my fear was replaced with completely alien thoughts of utter hatred and evil that i felt Holy projected shit. from this thing so this one feels like someone laura might have ran into. yeah it sounds like the same guy i suddenly snapped out of this hypnotic state and it made me step back as if it was going to pounce on me <gasps> So apparently he ran into a not so great praying mantis. It's also like bad sign that usually they want to be invisible. And this time they're like, oh, no, I'm coming to show you. Yeah. Well, since you've seen me anyway, since I'm outed here, here I am. (sighs) Another quick one is uh, in 2011. Wait, did he get away or what happened? That was it. That's all I that's all I could read. No, I'm I'm assuming he made it out to be able to tell us that story. Yeah, fair. 
Um, so in 2011 in Connecticut, there was a woman who was driving at midnight and saw a two foot praying mantis, which is not six <laughs> foot, but it's still not two inches. How cute. <laughs> it's like a teenage one. Yikes. Also, maybe, maybe they, they go, they don't grow, but they shrink. I'm thinking of, um, if there's a two foot praying mantis out there versus the seven foot, does that mean it's a child one or does that mean it's actually like an older, wiser one? Because remember in the Laura Clark episode she saw a creature in a <gasps> robe and he, it was so small it was smaller than her toddler was, and then that's te- right Anne. and telepathically he was like yes but we are very old which makes me think do they <laughs> benjamin button they get smaller as they grow wiser or somebody made a mistake higher? when they were when they were evolving this creature and was were like <laughs> oh we should have gone the other way it's more intimidating uh-huh yeah yeah interesting yeah. or maybe in their world it's like like, like elephant syndrome or something where like how an elephant is terrified of mice because they're so tiny maybe the smaller of a praying mantis you are the more powerful you are which makes me go back to my theory of like our actual on earth praying mantises all of this are so tiny maybe they are like god himself like they are just above they are supreme beings they keep one in the cincinnati zoo insect enclosure and that thing is gonna that's what they want you to think christine burn down cincinnati (laughs) when it gets out of that cage (laughs) we are done for um so okay so this woman saw a two-foot one running by the road in the middle of the night in 2011 apparently it was mahogany brown it never took its eyes off of her the entire time so they both locked eyes again and uh, it found a storm drain and jumped down, which okay. feels like a very CGI'd experience, like some sort of weird bug movie. If it feels like a 2005, like yeah, uh, CGI film, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like do 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 do, and then ooh, just jumping into the storm drain. Oh, so gross. That was someone's experience. Another one sounds really intense. This one is one of the ones from the books. It's gonna fuck you up, this quote, but I'm going to tell you at the end of it, it's actually, there's a weird, nice twist. Okay, all right, okay. just do it. Okay, so here's the quote. I, it's a long one. I just, I didn't even want to try to paraphrase this one. It was just No, you might as well read it as is. The, basically, the context in this, uh, in this story was that the person who's telling the story, their friend had recently gone through an accident that was really bad and they had had traumatic head injuries. Oh, And so God. they were in the in the hospital and people were just even afraid to touch this girl because she had like part of her skull removed or something. Oh, it was God. really terrible. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden these creatures come in. These They're brain- like, now's our time to shine. I mean, what on earth? They just fucking waltzed in. So here's the quote. I stood there helpless for the longest time, not knowing what to do, but feeling a sense of panic. Something had to be done quickly. All of a sudden, there were two beings that appeared next to my friend. They seemed to push right aside me and silently went to work on her like skilled <gasps> surgeons. They stood to her left, standing wor- standing together and working furiously on my friend. I had no idea who they were, what they were doing, but the first thing I thought of was, are these aliens? Okay, I love it. Like, just to clarify, I didn't know these guys. Like, oh, well, yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> Otherwise, you have some explaining to do. I don't hang with them. I don't know. I don't know I what's promise. happening here. I stood there and watched, and I thought, they look like praying mantises, alien praying mantises. Then I focused on my friend and saw that, I'm sorry, her head was split wide open. Goodbye. Like these- I'm gonna expire. Like these aliens sliced it perfectly open. I'm I leaving saw, the earth. Goodbye. 
I saw freshly sliced raw flesh and these Stop it! And these aliens slash praying mantises were busily removing pieces of bone, rock, or whatever was from her brain. This did not look anything like what I would have imagined inside a brain to look like, but it was such a clean cut. These two alien praying mantises worked quickly without speaking a word, and I seemed to black out, and I don't remember any more of it. So that's obviously really traumatic. Oh, really? I actually had a great time. Thanks for sharing. But the writer also pretty much implied at the end of it, like, that it all felt very much like um, afterwards, that she really actually felt peace, um, that they had actually come in to try and save this person. Did they save her? Uh, so I think the complete answer to that is apparently the friend ended up passing later, but there is a sense of that, like, they prolonged her life or something or helped get rid of whatever was going on. Oh, I'm too terrified to even touch my friend because, you know, she's so fragile right now. And then all of a sudden these two creatures came in and did something. We'll touch her with our many legs. (laughs) It's like, we'll fucking fix it. (laughs) Let me poke around in this brain. I wonder... If she was part alien, like if they were trying to, if they were part of her, the, their group and they were trying to save her. That's what I'm thinking too. It felt yeah. very much like, why would they show up for She's this one, one person us. unless they had a connection or like yeah. maybe it was like, uh, you know, someone like a Laura Clark who they'd right. been following forever and they needed to take at least vitals or some shit like that. So. Damn, that's scary though. Can you imagine if you woke up and there were just like these <laughs> creatures? Oh also, can you, can you imagine the like. Like, uh, talking about, like, praying mantis advanced technology, like, they literally sliced her face in half. and then With like, you what, ca- right? Like, with their freaking little paws? I don't know what they're called, but and these things? Paws. <laughs> and then, you, came, and then you, you come to, and all of a sudden, your friend's face isn't, like, mutilated? Like, what did they do to, like, completely... Also, why are there so many rocks inside her head? <laughs> also, well, maybe they were implants or something. Maybe they, maybe they, uh. like, they were from, if she had a relationship with them, maybe there was a previous thing. I don't know. I have no idea what it is. It could have also been like a very human reason that there was maybe it was part of like the the injury that she sustained. Yeah, but, true. But, you know, if you're talking about it from a supernatural thing, like were they going in to like take out the to yeah. take out her implant or something or were they trying to save her or were they trying to I don't know, I have no idea. Freaky. Oh yeah, maybe they were like shit, we can't be discovered and they took yeah. out her like yeah, that's a good point, too. I hadn't thought of that. I have no idea. So anyway, that's one story. And after that, I did. That was really interesting to me. And apparently there are a lot of uh, theories about praying mantis aliens, especially because they at least sometimes give off that overwhelming calmness that mm. they're healers. And then I also saw a few stories where people were saying that like praying mantises in general, like the actual bug, are, are known to be healing or really rare or good for your health or something so it's interesting that they both kind of have yeah. that correlation so if the little if the little guys down here are healers in a way and then the highly advanced ones that are cutting your face open are also <laughs> healers just saying it just gives you more proof that maybe they have alien connections to each other yeah so another one is in 2001 there was one guy named jim from london this one's also from the book where he at one one night he woke up and saw two of these creatures standing over him while he was sleeping. They were making clicking sounds to each other. One of them looked more like a beetle and he was wearing a robe and he was crouching by the bed. Ah. And the other one was a more classic praying mantis, nude. <laughs> and ooh, uh, ooh la la. 
<laughs> Basically, he said that the praying mantis was at least seven feet tall because it had to crouch uh, because of the ceiling. So he knew that this thing had to be big to be crouching in his room. Which I love yikes. that logic happening in your head. Like, well, my ceilings are notoriously seven feet tall or uh, whatever. Or, or this guy has horrific posture yes valid i mean as someone who also has that <laughs> people must see me walking around and be like oh my god do you think the ceiling's about to hit you or oh something oh my god em are you four feet tall Wait, <laughs> i don't know how, i think my logic is backwards Never mind. so apparently they say that this this guy jim said that it also had a pointy head and thin forearms and the beetle one specifically looked very emotionless yikes mm. with a domed head maybe some sort of metallic armor or it could have been its own skin that was really shiny. And the praying mantis leaned over Jim's bed and was holding what looked like a very long needle. I don't. With don't. That had a green light coming from it. So Jim's like, it could have just been a laser. <laughs> um, which one's worse? Well, the needle. Which the one, needle's worse, in my well, opinion. Which, whichever one it was, that light, either on purpose or accidentally, ended up glowing into his eye. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, Jim said it was it was really painful because a laser hit him in the eye. Um, I'm just imagining like this alien kind of like fumbling around with a laser Drops pointer it. he found in your room and it got in your eye and you're like ah. <laughs> so, but I don't know. It could have been on purpose and like one of their tools or something, and it could have been a really invasive experience. Um, Jim did say later that he felt something else. This feels more on purpose. He felt something stick into his skull, whatever that means. <gasps> okay. Whatever that means, I fucking hate it. And my I'm so sorry. My skin just felt like it was going to fall off my body. I just am so not here for that. I'd rather just leave, vacate the earth. Jim, if you're listening, I'm so sorry about your eye and your skull. That's all just fucking awful. I wonder if it was the same thing, like the laser goes into your eye and then it protrudes into oh, your skull. Oh, and inside your head. Yeah. <sighs> Ugh. As, and by the way, as I was reading this, a lot of things are happening to faces, which is interesting, because when I think of alien abductions, I think of like a full body like yes, medical true. procedure. I don't think of it as staying like neck up. That's but interesting. That one person who was in the hospital and had their face literally yeah. sliced open. This guy had something with his eye and his skull. Then there's another one in 1977. This person's anonymous and they were eight at the time and they apparently got beamed up. They saw a bunch of greys. And they met a praying mantis who apparently was trying to calm them down and like be very kind and make and while it was taking her eye out. <gasps> okay. Oh my god. Um so leave uh, my husk behind. <laughs> so that is also from the book that I mentioned, just so you guys this know. This is the but worst book ever. Stop <laughs> telling people to read this book. It's my stroll Peter, apparently. <laughs> Your cautionary tales. Uh, but so, yeah, so eight years old, it gets beamed up, is hanging out with a bunch of gray aliens, apparently. And then they met the spraying mantis, who they said was very kind, proceeded to take her fucking very, eye out. Very kind. And then, oh my God. and then apparently it put her, it put the eye back in her head before bringing her back. So I wonder if that's where the rocks are behind her head. Behind that's her what eye. I was thinking. I'm like, that's three stories of yes, good someone's point. face getting fucked with in some way. <gasps> and two of them were something getting put either behind or through your eye. And then Interesting. that and the third story was them opening up her head to take something out where her brain is. So I mean it, wow. it feels like that's where the implant is because they know you'll never get it out. They probably yeah, there's like something in there, yeah. They probably learned like Oh, well, humans can't get rid of their brains, so let's put the implant there, because that's where it'll be the most And safe. how often do you get, like, a 
x-ray of your brain like an mri unless you have a head injury which maybe is why they were like we got to get that out before they do another x-ray or Mm -hmm. mri i don't know but so one one thing that i also thought was super interesting about this story uh is that they got beamed up and were hanging out with a bunch of grays they also apparently visited like a a, an alien sports arena or something and saw a game (laughs) where the grays were like the literal space jam (laughs) literal space jam they were putting uh they were pushing fireballs back and forth telepathically like playing catch or something or kickball or dodgeball or something with fireballs and using their minds instead of their arms and if you got hit by one of the fireballs, you literally burned to death. Oh my god! And this is a quote from that story. I felt the telepathic cheer in my mind as if someone scored a touchdown in football and no remorse. So. <gasps> These things are ruthless. She's watching a game where it's ba- it's Hunger Games and Space Jam all mixed together. Oh my because god. people are just cheering every time someone dies. And then this guy, I guess you can't be surprised later when the kindest one of them takes your fucking eye out. Yeah. Um, not only that, but when uh, they came to with both eyes intact um, after their experience, this is a quote from them. I have retained one thing from my encounter. I still have the power to see major global disasters before they happen. I only <gasps> report them to my fiance or close family members. But when I see something clearly and tell them it always happens, which like, OK, why are you not hanging out with like Mr. Biden right now and telling him like, hey, this is coming up. But then I guess, like, who would believe you? And also, right, like, right, right. I'm sure there's a whole lot of shame, to, you know, that you might feel with, like, the story at all. Or Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure that's a question that they've gotten a million times mm-hmm. of, like, oh, well, then why don't you go save the world? So excuse me for being such a jackass. That, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, but yeah. I mean, it's a natural question. I mean, also, wasn't that in the 70s? So maybe they're... Yeah. Well, I guess they'd still be... Well, in 77, they were eight. Oh, so they were born yeah, in 69. Yeah, yeah. They were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've gotten that question a million times. If you're not, if you've got your own reasons. I should have not assumed something. Yikes. I'm, I'm sorry. Man, you're such an asshole. And I, I just, I real, as I said it, I was like, oh, I'm sure that's like a, oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. It's like, oh, get my the God. fuck away from me. Yeah, or like, what's the next? I, I was almost was like, what's the next thing? And I'm like, I don't want to know. We have coronavirus. It's enough. Yeah, I don't want to know the uh, next imagine thing. Imagine the psychology that this person has to deal with. It must with. be a curse. Yeah, to know, to know, like, oh, something really fucking terrible is going to happen and I can't stop it you if I want to. can't do anything to. about it. Because yeah. also maybe, like, what? What are you going to do? You're going to call the president? Like, you're going to you're gonna write the and president like, and he's going to take you seriously of all the other people who are making predictions? Like, Yeah, and that's kind of that same, like, catch-22 of, like, but then is it bound to happen no matter what if you predicted it? Like, the that's so know. Raven principle of, like, <laughs> it'll happen no matter how much you try to stop it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, so that is something that... uh it's just more proof that clairvoyance comes with these praying wow. mantis abductions. And this person also said that they found an implant in their thumb afterwards. Nope. Um, and they literally ripped it out of their thumb. And <gasps> the person says that aliens put a device in their thumb and the praying mantis said, if you take it out, you will die. So I guess that was like just fear mongering because then that person just literally took it out of their thumb and was like, I'm fine. <laughs> Bye-bye. D- garbage disposal. It was probably a way just to keep tabs, and this person took away their tracking device, because ever since, um, they said, I don't feel like I'm being watched anymore. And I used to feel like... I guess they said, I knew that something was going on, because even after that one experience, I never remembered anything else, but I know that they were coming back and wiping <gasps> my memory, and I hated the feeling. <sighs> so I ripped this thing out, and ever since, and I haven't had that sensation. I have major goose cam now. This is all very bad. Well, here's my favorite one. This is the last one. This comes from the UK. 
He's a councilman and a driving instructor. His name is Simon. I think I'm actually going to end up doing an episode on him because I found a lot of information on this. But just to give you like the short and sweet part of it, he was adopted by a nine foot green alien. (laughs) What? No. Um, So this comes from apparently there's a Channel 4 documentary called Confessions of an Alien Abduction. And uh, Simon says that an alien once Simon says. Simon says, which it's all true, and I'm going to believe all of it. Simon says an alien reached for him using, quote, two green stick things like bean poles. And I thought, he's British, this is precious. They're not mummy's hands. Mummy's hands are pink, and mummy has thumbs. These are green and pointed, and there's four of them. I was looking straight into its face. It entered my mind through my eyes, and it sent a message down to my optic nerve into my brain. Another eyes and brain thing. It entered my mind through my eyes and sent a message down my octave octave nerve into my spine saying, I am your real mother. I am your more important mother. Oh, that's not very nice. Poor mummy. Poor mummy. Yikes. I hope mummy never heard about this story because that yeah, not poor a good woman. Feeling. So Simon apparently has started meeting this creature at 11 and has been has, on like hundreds of gallivants in space now because of this experience. Um, because apparently they would hold hands and when he would say, I'm ready, it was almost like they were the craft was getting consent that like, okay, you want to get beamed up now or what? Oh and my God. That's how he would go on all these escapades, apparently. Oh my God. Simon says he's had hundreds of experiences and he even has a kid named Zarka um, with an alien that he calls the Cat Queen. Is the child Earth side or is this... Space side, actually. Spa- okay, good. Because I was like, this poor ch- if this is a child on Earth and the dad's it's like, just, you're actually an alien. My I parents like are the Cat Queen and Simon says. Um, yeah, I'd be very confused. <laughs> but apparently uh, Simon has been taken up to space many times to visit Zarka. So he's got like, you know, custody. Which is nice. <laughs> He's got I'm some, some custody. Funny. It's wild. So I was fascinated by this. And I did find out that there's some very, very lengthy YouTube documentaries. Uh-huh. Or, or YouTube interviews where he goes into full detail. I have not watched them. I wanted to save them for the next time when I decide to cover another alien story. But Simon does is still around. So Simon, if you listen to this, I, I would love to ask you some questions myself before we report on so i'm sorry i laughed i just was i think i was just so taken aback i would think simon's and pretty also scared <laughs> the vibe i got from simon and like the little clips i saw was that he was super chill like he was oh like, good i feel like he kind of knows that like yeah this is gonna sound weird but this is my story so we're running with it so listen we we believe you okay whatever you want to tell us we'll believe it if that's not the truth, Simon, and you're not chill and like you're let us know if you if you want to participate in this, because I would love to cover you. I plan on it. So if you would like to give your two cents, I am here for it. So, wow. Anyway, so that is some of the many stories of the Mantis aliens. That was terrifying. Thank you. I don't think I realized how terrifying it would be, but it's very scary. I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious that the Laura Clark one, though. She really made it seem, I would have stereotyped all praying mantis aliens after that as really, really awful, yeah, they're on the demonic dark side. creatures. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't have the sense that they're super good either, though. I feel neutral uh, with a tinge of fear, but I, I definitely would have said like, oh, apparently praying mantis aliens suck. And it's like, okay, well, a lot of them seem to be like 
really calming and maybe healers. Fair. But I mean, and you can say that about humans too. It's not like that's true. they have to have the same personality. Not all but... praying mantises, okay? Not all praying. <laughs> Get it. Get it together. Oh my God. That's our <laughs> new stance and we will stand by it. Not all praying mantises. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, I, I hope to cover Simon eventually. So I would like to hear more about this cat queen. Obviously, we are Me all too. intrigued by that. Um, but yes, yeah, so there it is. Wow. Well, that's scary. I mean, a couple of people have tweeted that they were freaked out when you said, uh, we know him too. Like, we know God too. Ugh. And that still to this day, like, every time I read that tweet, it re-freaks me out. Which makes me think again that, like, if there, we're going with this theory that the praying mantis people mm-hmm. were the first of their kind and they're the supreme being, then of course they would know God because they're they- are like, nice try. <laughs> they're like, ha ha ha. Oh yeah, you're talking to the talking to the man right here, you know? Yes. I don't know. I, it is very weird that they, how many connections. I also didn't notice the connections until to, until today about the, how many people have had eye or brain experiences. It's a lot. It freaks me out all over again because I thought I was going to have to worry about like my extremities or Well, like, you usually worry about your belly button and stuff like that. Yeah. It's yeah. very freaky, obviously, but like your eyes, no. And Laura Clark, like, the only, like, stuff that really happened to her was next to her belly button, too. So yes. I feel like this was, like, one random praying mantis who, like, wasn't going up to protocol. Or maybe he was, like, <laughs> you know, like, Satan is, like, just a fallen angel. Maybe yeah. this praying mantis was, like, just the fallen of his order. And he was, oh. like, I'm oh. doing things my way, you know. And He's he rebelling. Just, yeah. I think that's what that was. Against mummy. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, thank you for... Uh, Letting me share a little more of that. That was awful great. Thing. I mean, that was scary. You've been scaring me lately. I love it. Um, ah, okay, so perfect timing. I don't have to speak anymore. And now my yard is as silent as ever. <laughs> and now it's Christine's turn. So. Yay. Well, that's okay, because I am going to scare you this time. Mm. Um, once again, I actually, for the first time ever today and next week, I'm doing a two-part episode. <laughs> I'm I so know. excited. This is to a- be fair. I should have done two parters like Jeffrey Dahmer, which was like a three and a half hour episode. So <laughs> I recognize that there were plenty of times for me to do that, but I just never did. And so now I'm doing it. I'm okay, so excited. <laughs> I'm predicting now this is about to become a thing that Christine does because once I realized the <laughs> yeah, power of multi parters, so. <laughs> once I realized the power and the freedom that that gave me of like, oh my gosh, I don't have to panic and do. Th- 50 pages of notes tonight and you don't have to like cut things out that you really want to share but it's too long or you can hear the first episode that and then like see f- people's feedback and then touch on it in the next episode i mean it's great i think we I haven't are... done it yet but it's great i i this is the beginning of a new era for christine i think <laughs> i hope people don't hate it everyone get ready for several multi-parters because i think we we've found christine's niche all of a sudden all right, don't be mad yet. Okay, folks, just listen to this first and then- No, it's a can, good thing. We can decide if you like it or not. Um, so today I'm going to cover the first part of Richard Ramirez, The Night Stalker. <gasps> Christine. I have been waiting to do this for a long time. Snaps, by the way, to you have a very successful true crime podcast uh, with over 200 episodes and you still haven't covered- there the are Night so Stalker. many big ones I still have to do, which is wild. I mean, I didn't do Jeffrey Dahmer till this year or this past year. Still, I mean, 
props to you still finding content that's that's christine <laughs> right there <laughs> i'm i'm pleased about it because i waited inadvertently until this docuseries came out and mm. when i watched that i was like thank god i haven't covered this yet because this is it was honestly i don't really get scared by those true crime shows anymore um not to brag but my brain has okay. just been overloaded so much that i think i just shut down nowadays but night stalker the documentary on netflix scared the absolute bananas out of me like it really 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 freaked me out um have you seen it probably not right i have not seen it yeah it is frightening uh it's very gory it's very graphic i was gonna say what's so scary about it it's it's uh something about like his crimes are very scary to begin with and then they really go into like the graphic details and Mm. this guy i just didn't realize how wildly pervasive this guy was i to be honest it's, he's one of those figures where, kind of like with, uh, I would say he's put in, like, clumped into, like, the big five or whatever of, like, mm-hmm. you know, really horrific uh, murderers. And with all of them, I'm learning that I really didn't know anything about them until you give me the the scoop. Because I, what I think of, I didn't know really anything about Ted Bundy. I didn't know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer. But because we hear the name so often, I just felt yeah, like just I knew it. You assume you, yeah, totally. I'm and when way. it comes to the Night Stalker, I actually don't know. I mean, to be honest, I didn't nothing. either. Okay. I didn't really Good. either. So this docuseries was like very eye-opening and very terrifying. Um, I tried to get Blaze to watch it with me again last night and he like wouldn't. So we watched it online <laughs> instead. We compromised. Okay. Um, Got it. <laughs> But so this is a pretty intense story. It's pretty graphic. It's uh, very brutal. So I just want to warn you a couple people not really a couple. Well, yeah, a couple people were like, your stories are really intense lately. Tone it down. And I was like, um, I actually plan them way in advance. Like they're I can't change it now. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I was like, well, it's like, well, I just did like. 30 hours of research so uh no (laughs) and it's not intentional like i'm not doing it because you told me not to uh it's just because i can't it's too late i can't change it now so we're we're recording tomorrow and i can't give proper (laughs) notes this uh this in advance as i read your text or your so this is the warning if you're like i'm i don't want any more of this like uh here are some specific trigger warnings blood rape gore then just skip it and i i get it um yeah we totally understand i mean not that it's, you know, we like to put out content people want to listen to, but we're also very aware that there's just some shit that people can't listen to. Like, that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. But good, good, good point that you have actually been doing some pretty gruesome ones lately, but They're intense. But you know what? Props to your research. And also now we know that it's a two parter. So if you happen to be someone who maybe feels squeamish or uncomfortable with listening to this, then you know that maybe we'll see you in two weeks yes exactly so we'll see what happens how you feel (laughs) um but this to consider that your warning and i apologize um so let's get into it i'm sorry let's crack into it who am i kidding (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) so we are in the 80s it's los angeles baby friggin sunshine height of 80s pop culture la is hopping and bopping mm. uh i love the intro to night stalker docuseries because they're it's like 80s la like convertibles and it's i just love Aww. it um so march 17th 1985 esther pachar an la resident remembers the following quote 
I was working at AT&T and across the street was a mini mall and there was a Salvation Army store and I would just spend my lunch hour in there. And once I was in there, there was a table that was full of junk and there was this hat and I picked it up because the letters on it said ACDC and I didn't know what it was so I threw it back down. And then on my right, here comes this man and he stood right there and he picked up the hat, looked at it, turned around and looked at me and kind of smiled a little bit. And he had the devil on his hand and he got the hat and walked away. When I finished work, I was on the freeway freeway with my little car, and here comes somebody speeding behind me. Then all of a sudden, he just swerves around my car. It's like he's right there, and he turns, and he just, he's looking at me. It's the same guy I saw at the thrift store. Mm. And he had this horrible big grin, and he's missing all these teeth. It was like a killer clown. (laughs) Oh, my God. By the way, I did not mean to gasp at the part about bad teeth. That was not the the plan. I think it's the grin. It was was the grinning that I was freaking out about, but before anyone, like, thinks that I, like, take an issue with teeth or something. Yeah, no, it's, like, the grinning without, yeah, there's something, like, really spooky about that. The the intentionality of it. Like, it has the killer clown vibe of, like, the happy thing that's not actually happy. (laughs) Ugh, gross. Yeah. So... On that St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, uh, 32-year-old detective Gil Carrillo, who's kind of like the the main character of the docuseries, you kind of follow the investigation through his eyes, was sent to a location where a garage door was open and blood spatter was found both on the floor and the door, which separates the garage from the condo. So it's like Uh. one of those systems where you drive into the garage and walk into the house. Yeah. So Detective uh, Carrillo goes inside the condo and sees a bloody phone inside the bedroom and finds 34-year-old Dale Okazaki lying on the kitchen floor. She had been shot in the forehead. Wow. Okay. Maria Hernandez, who was Dale's roommate, had narrowly escaped. So this is one of the wildest, like, encounters you'll ever hear. So... Maria had entered their house via the garage door, which she opened with the remote. She then got her keys out to open the inside door to the house before turning around to see a male suspect with a stargazed look wearing an ACDC hat. Oh, shit. (laughs) He had his arms stretched out with his gun pointed and he launched toward her. She put her hands up as he pulled the trigger and then in like this wild turn of events, the bullet deflected off the keys in her hand. (gasps) (laughs) That was God. In those moments, and that's one of those things where I'm like, there's no explanation. It's it's wild. It's so unheard of. I mean, and so they, however, the the blast knocked her to the floor and this guy, the suspect obviously like doesn't think that he missed or doesn't think that he's deflected it. So he assumes she's down and he's killed her. So he leaves her and, uh, you know, she had been pushed back by the blast anyway. So she's on the ground. But, like, not shot, which that moment of, like, trying to figure out if you've been shot must be so harrowing. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. So she's on the floor, and he obviously assumed that he had done the trick, and he left her there and went inside the condo. And she – it must have also been horrible because she knows her roommate's inside. And so he goes inside. She sees him go inside. Mm. So after he left, Maria jumped up and started running down the alleyway when she heard another gunshot. And that was when she kind of realized, like, oh, shit, my roommate was in the house he just killed my my friend. It's just, oh my God. So, wow. uh, concerned for her housemate, Dale, Maria goes to the front door. This is wild. Because she thinks whoever whoever this guy is will exit the way he came because he came in through the garage. So, she goes to the front door, which was like a smart move, thinking like, okay, he won't go in out that way. He will go out the way he came in. Yeah. But here he comes. He walks right out the front door. And they both 
like freeze <laughs> kind of like the praying mantis like they both like freeze eye to eye like uh-huh. both shocked to see each other because she's like thinking he's gonna escape the other way he thinks she's dead in the garage right. and she's right. standing there without blood on her um and so they kind of freeze and stare at each other and then maria puts her hands up and says to him hey you already shot me once do you really have to shoot me again <laughs> <gasps> oh my god wow okay okay so badass badass and then he just puts the gun down like to his side and walks away and doesn't shoot her again so i think he was like totally jarred by that moment of she just came back from the dead and is like in his mind you know for lack of a better term uh god she's a superhero yeah yeah so i mean it's really really sad she didn't get to her friend in time because dale was found dead But the next day, police find out that 40 minutes after Dale's murder, the Monterey police had also gotten a call and a murder had occurred only a mile from Dale and Maria's house that same day. Shit. Okay. Yeah. So this guy's like running rampant. So a young woman, and this one, I think that one of the reasons that he's so scary is that he had so many different MOs. Like, you can't pick where he's going to be next. You can't guess. It's like Israel Keys, like there's no rhyme or reason. It's just kind of all over the place. Well, I was going to say, do we know, I was going to say, later on, do we find out what the reasoning for that house was? Or was it very Israel Keys? It's of just like, kind of, geez. it seems to be Because you were home. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be too much rhyme or reason. And so like, this is a perfect example. So a young woman was driving down the street and all of a sudden... She's stopped by another car and yanked out of the car and shot for no reason. Wow. Just driving down the street. A nightmare. A, a nightmare. nightmare. Like a nightmare. And her name was Tsai Lan Yu and she was only 30 years old. She was left sprawled out in the street and her last words were, help me. Oh my and he God. Just, he just pulled, like for no apparent reason, just pulled her out of the car, shot her there and left her to die. God. Uh, okay. Yeah, so really just like alarming for police. Obviously, it appeared to be the same caliber of weapon, a 22 caliber gun, but it was too early to assume this was the same murderer. Um, but obviously, this connection was noted at this point. Meanwhile, uh, Maria Hernandez, who was the housemate who had the superhero <laughs> who had escaped his, you know, attack. Yeah. Um, she is at the hospital. Police send a staff artist around to get a sketch of the murderer, and she describes him as a tall, thin, light-skinned, Hispanic or Caucasian man who had disheveled hair and brown-stained gap teeth. He was wearing all black, a members-only jacket, and an ACDC hat. So that wow. is the description she gave to police. So 10 days later, after the murder of Okazaki and Yu, on March 27th, there is a double murder out in Whittier County, California. Okay. So Vincent and Maxine Zazara, their house was entered via an open bathroom window. Also Mm -hmm. so scary. These like break and entering through windows. Just (sighs) so scary to me. I don't know. Yeah. That it's okay. Just keep going. (laughs) I'm I'm with you. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Um, So the place was ransacked and $40,000 worth of jewelry was stolen. Take the money. Fine. Leave me alone. Take the money. Okay. Nope. Uh, Maxine, this this is not good. This part's not good. Is this the part with the plates? No, that was... Um, That's Eron's. Night- that was Eron's, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, also so scary. Also so scary, but I didn't know if they had the same um, the same things. They sometimes... He sometimes went after couples, but it wasn't as prominent or as, like, specifically okay. targeted as uh, Joseph D'Angelo was. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so Maxine, age 44, was found on her bed with several stab wounds. She had been raped, and the murderer had cut her eyes out. <gasps> yeah, I know. This episode in eyes, man. I know. I don't like it. Uh, what? I wonder psychologically what that means. Like, he was ashamed well, and didn't want to be looked at? Or? Yeah, I th- he mentions it later. He threatens someone. I mean, I'll just tell you now, but he threatens someone. If you look at me, I'll cut your eyes out. So <gasps> it might have been like he was... They looked at him. Called called her. She called the bluff. And well, no. The, so he, the next. Well, maybe. But the next person he said, or a person later, a victim later, he told her, if you look at me, I'll cut your eyes out, presumably, which is why he cut this. Yeah. First person's. Oh, my God. <sighs> wow. Just heinous. And I want to be clear. I don't know if this happened. I tell myself this happened post-mortem. I was going to look it up. And then I was like, I it's 2 a.m. I can't look this up. I don't need to know. Mental health. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's what I'm assuming just for my own sanity and well-being is that this happened after her death. Wow. Um, and she was stabbed several times. Her husband, Vincent, who was 64, was murdered as he was sleeping on the couch with a gunshot to the temple. So typically it is kind of the same situation where the man would just be shot once just to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then the, the woman would typically be more brutalized. And um, are we talking about S.A. Assault? Assault? Uh, for results? well he raped maxine if that's what you're asking okay yeah i didn't know how brutal oh. it got i d- yeah I thought so maybe she just... was found with several stab wounds she'd been raped i think the eyes cut out got um overshadowed that maybe <laughs> yeah i definitely my brain didn't process the first but 10 I think seconds that's before that what that's how he would like if you look at me essentially while i'm committing this i see assault okay. then it. i will I think that was kind of the threat behind it can we just assume that every victim throughout the story for the most part is going to be no okay good i mean the first two weren't the the remember he just walked into her condo shot right. her pulled a girl out of her car i'm trying to like piece it together before you tell me and i'm like i'm like is it does well, just get does just escalate and escalate and escalate i mean it's he murdered he was convicted of 13 counts of murder so just we're only a couple in so it's hard to say what's worse and not worse because it's all just so bad um but that's the thing is like he doesn't have a clear mo it's just all over the place so you know this is his first double murder um he goes in through the window he you know sexually assaults maxine he shoots her husband uh however the biggest so it was a 22 caliber gun so that was another clue that they connected to the other two murders but it's also la county like or this is even whittier county but it's also los angeles area like you can't just say oh it's the same gun it's the same guy you know what i right. mean like it's it took a lot to actually put all this together so uh the biggest clue that the suspect had left behind was a shoe print so this becomes definitely a, a big thing. So the soil outside of the restroom window retained a rough print of a shoe sized 11 to 12. So that was where he had entered through the open bathroom window and they found a print of a shoe. So this was his fourth murder within 10 days. And to make matters worse around this time, there had also been a series of child abductions going on. So I know. Fuck. Oh my God. Trust me. I don't know how to frame this except just. I didn't woof. even know kids got involved with this uh-huh. story. Wow. It, that's why it's so confusing and scary and like ridiculous is it's so all over the place like, there's like no rhyme or reason all over the place nobody's safe you know there's nothing you can do to not be a victim like not that i ever think you can do something to not be a victim but you know what i mean like there's yeah. no there's no there's of, no like like at least son of sam like oh everyone get a wig or diary yeah exactly you know? or stay inside well that doesn't seem to work here right right um 
yeah, except the location of Southern California, but that doesn't really help you much if you're in that area. But right. yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see. So this is when also simultaneously during these four murders, there were also child abductions going on. So one of the survivors was Anastasia Hronis, who was six when she was awakened in the middle of the night by someone who she thought was a family member. In her words, he looked familiar. He abducted her in the night, put her in his car, and she remembers while driving that he told her to open up the glove compartment. She did, and there was a gun inside. He shut it and said, just so you know, that's there. (gasps) So it just says a threat. Oh my god. Okay. Yep. In their time together, he forced her to look at him, touch him, and made her get into a zipped up duffel bag saying, you need to be quiet, do what I say. He then carried her into a dingy house where he abused her sexually then he put her back in the bag. I don't know any more details than that. That's just all she gave. Uh, he put her back in the bag, the duffel bag, when they left the house um, and then put her in his car, pulled over, took her out of the duffel bag, told her to walk across the street to the gas station and have them call 911 to get her family to come pick her up. Just wild. So uh, Also, well, that feels like he kind of wants to be heard or seen or or recognize because if he's saying oh specifically call 911 couldn't he just well say, like, i think he had a weird thing about protecting children in a sick twisted way of like i won't murder them okay you know what i mean like the, the child abduction abductees survive typically okay. oh okay which you know he was saying like once he did whatever he was doing which does not show any kindness or love toward children so right i think that's a moot argument but i think in his own head he had like a line he didn't cross or something okay kids finally a moral somewhere deep, <laughs> yeah. deep down okay. and i doubt this was even a very stringent moral <laughs> it's probably just like out of convenience at some points but so he told her like okay now go across the street call 911 that's it so she didn't have any really real information about this guy but this was only one of the plethora of other accounts of abduction and sexual assault of minors going on in the area at the same time so Detective Gil Carrillo, who I mentioned earlier, was working on the four murders that happened within 10 days, and he was the one who noticed that the child's descriptions of their perpetrators matched the perpetrator provided by Maria Hernandez. So tall, thin, light-skinned, Hispanic, or Caucasian, had disheveled hair, brown stain gap, teeth, and a pungent odor. We've added that now into the mix. Oh, cute. Okay. So he's thinking now, there's a strong likelihood this is the same person. and. Okay. I'll just tell you right now, people were like, you're ridiculous. (laughs) Like, you're an amateur. You're like, what, in your early 30s, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Nobody, to be fair, it is, I think, highly unlikely that a guy is abducting kids, letting them go, and meanwhile, randomly assaulting grown people. It's just, like, not a clear MO. Right, which was exactly what his MO was. Like, his MO was to, (laughs) to throw you off the fucking scent every time. He just had no, like, real target it was just kind of everybody is potentially a target (sighs) so he brought this outlook to a meeting uh, in the la area but the rest of the folks in law enforcement literally laughed they told him like this just doesn't happen and like turn their noses up at his theory um so he's for now just kind of on the outside and they're like drop it you know it's like that classic cliche of like drop it to the investigator who has like a theory you know yeah so on may 14th the killer struck again William Doy was shot to death before his wife, Lillian, was raped and beaten. Detectives say William saved his wife's life by calling 911 before he died. So when detectives found Lillian on the thumb of her left hand, she was wearing thumb cuffs. 
which are like handcuffs, but they're like only for your thumbs, which I mean, I Googled them. They look exactly like what you'd expect. And I guess they were initially used for, uh, they were intended to be used for like drug arrests and things that weren't, I guess, as, as they were meant to fit inside the pocket of whoever it was, whoever was arresting you. Okay. They're like very small. And I guess they just hold your thumbs together so you can't move your hands. Interesting. I yeah. feel like you're I feel like it makes sense that you 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 cuff something you cuff something smaller than your hand so that your hand can yeah. get through but a thumb to me feels like you can just you know Yeah. You can't really get out of them I don't think. I mean they really do like kind of clamp down on your thumbs but also they're not really used so huh. I guess they're not as effective as handcuffs. Okay. Um so really odd like they're very rare you don't see them very often so it was a weird thing for police to find. On a, on a victim. Sure. Um, but so she was wearing these thumb cuffs. The next day, the killer drove to Burbank. Yikes. Oh, wow. And snuck into the home of 42-year-old Carol Kyle. At gunpoint, the killer bound Carol and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs and ransacked the house. He released Carol so she could direct him to where the fami- family's valuables were, and then he raped her. He repeatedly ordered her not to look at him, telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out if she did. So that's kind of where we get the idea of why maybe that was part of his thing. Yeah. Uh, He fled the scene after retrieving her son from the closet and then binding them together with handcuffs again. So it's odd because now he didn't kill her this time, but maybe it's because of her son. Like the only connection I can think of is like she had a child with her uh, and he seems to not kill the children. So that's the only thing I can imagine as to why he didn't try and kill her. Okay. So around the same time, one of Detective Gill's friends who worked in Monterey showed him a picture of a footprint that was taken at the crime scene of one of the child abductions. The girl was eight years old, was taken from her house to a construction site, sexually assaulted, and then just set free. And at the construction site, they had luckily poured concrete that day. So in the concrete, they found a shoe print. Oh, okay. So Gil recognized the shoe print right away. It was the exact same footprint that was left at the Zazar crime scene outside the bathroom window. So they matched exactly. Okay. And now this is getting, this is evidence pointing to his theory of the child abductor and the murder rapist is the same same person. person. Yeah. Okay. So meanwhile, the killer is just still on this rampage. Uh, First, Patty Elaine Higgins, only 32 years old, was killed viciously in Arcadia. And four days later, Mary Cannon, age 75, had her throat slit. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. It really is just fucking random. Isn't it? And it, it's, it's you know, some are children, some are elderly, some are in the middle, some are shot, some are stabbed. It, it's, there's, it's just bonkers. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. So then on the 5th of July, which was only three days later, Sierra PD get an alarmed call. A man had broken into the bedroom of 16-year-old Whitney Bennett. Hmm. He had beaten her with a tire iron and tried to strangle her with a telephone cord. But as sparks flew from the cord, the man gave up and fled. Wow. He would later reveal that he believed this to be a sign of divine intervention. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm sure she did too. Like, okay, fine. That's the divine <laughs> intervention. Get out of here. Wow. So he dropped the cord and Whitney began coughing and breathing again as he fled. So she survived. And I wonder, that makes me think with the first... With Gail's murder, if or sorry, Dale's murder, if um, Maria, her housemate, when she said, like, you already shot me and I survived, I yeah. wonder if that was him saying, like, okay, this That's is my, point. like, 
you survived. I, it's not my in my hands anymore. It was divine intervention that you were supposed yep. to survive this. So here, and I you go. even called it that, you know. Yeah. So uh, maybe you know, and he had such a twisted thought process of how all this worked. I mean, we'll get into that later, but you know, I think he had some weird belief system that he'd built in his head about what he was allowed to do, what he wasn't allowed to do, what was part of the plan, what wasn't. I mean. I know we've said this before. I know we've already said that, like, it's crazy how random these victims are. But also, it's super interesting to me how random the choice of, or the the weapon of choice. Mm -hmm. Because usually it'd be like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, usually how you kill people. (laughs) Um, I would imagine, like, you've got at least, like, one good skill that you're confident in will do the really horrible job. Or something that you, that like satisfies you as a killer and that's why you do it. Like a knife. There's something even more unhinged about like not even having like a connection with your own weapon. Yeah, of like not having a, yeah, a method or something. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I'll slit this person's throat. I'll shoot this person. I'm going to strangle you with a phone cord. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, that's a good point. It does feel so unhinged and like sporadic, which like obviously any murderer with any weapon is like, unhinged presumably any serial killer but like it adds an extra layer of like creepiness somehow i don't know Mm -hmm. um so at this point no fingerprints had been found at any of the recent crime scenes however they did find a shoe print in blood and you find a lot of shoe prints same one i know he's kind of dropping the ball there in theory Uh, if he didn't wear shoes if he went barefoot to all of his killings would he have made it out like, are the shoe, is that the smoking gun? His No. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interestingly, I know. But mm. also, you wonder, don't your toes have prints? I guess so. That's maybe a good point, too. they would have caught him with the toe print. Or maybe if you're going, if you're going all the way with, like, random victims, random weapons, start wearing random fucking shoes. Like, pick different right. shoes every he didn't, time. He definitely didn't, like... Yeah, think of that. <laughs> Wear some fish flops or something. Like throw them off the. Yeah, scent. no one will catch you if you're wearing fish flops. I'm saying. <laughs> so the following day, July sixth, police received groundbreaking information. A woman named Lorraine Rodriguez had fallen asleep on the living room couch while her husband John slept in the bedroom. She woke up to a very loud noise and thought it was John, so she got angry because she didn't want him to wake the kids. Then the house went really still, and she knew immediately it wasn't John. She woke him up and got he got his gun and walked around the house. They noticed a window that they never opened was all the way open. Ugh. And it's scary, terrifying. And when they shined a light outside into the flower bed, they spotted a perfectly distinct footprint in the mud. So I guess the soil had been perfectly saturated hmm. to the point where like a shoe print was perfectly able to be cast out of that dirt. Wow. Luckily. So the deputy who arrived on the scene first did everything he could, thank God, to preserve the integrity of the footprint so that they were able to get like a perfect copy of it so wait this family survived like nothing happened to them yeah because she thought she woke up and was like angry at her husband for making so much noise so the killer fled like she she Uh, woke up he didn't he made too much noise and she woke up gotcha i would have thought he would have been like yeah i made a lot of noise because i'm about to kill you and then just like well it was also a family with kids i think maybe it was too much like he was like intimidated or something because yeah. it seems like he comes up on people sleeping a lot or when they're, you know, not expecting him. I mean, obviously, when would you ever be expecting him? But yeah, I don't know. I think he, he just got scared off by her waking up. 
It's always it shocking seems. when a serial killer gets scared off. It's like, right? that's the thing that fucking scares you away. Like That I woke up and yelled, John, shut up. It, <laughs> like, yeah, it just, you. it just proves like how random it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you have no idea what's going to be the thing that saves you. Yeah, totally. And he screwed himself because he left that perfect shoe print. So, you know, even though he didn't hurt anybody there, he left like really good evidence so they were able to make a uh, cast of this, and they found out it was an Avia shoe, which at the time was very uncommon, and it only just started to be manufactured. I'm pretty sure they're more common now. Um, but it was quickly confirmed they were looking for an aerobics shoe of Avia brand, size 11 and a half. And at this point, Detective Gill has been assigned a new partner, Detective Frank Salerno. So now they're like the duo on the case. And Frank was actually famous amongst the force for having put together the 1977 case of the Hillside Strangler. So he already had, like, a a reputation of, like, you know, solving really big cases. So now he's on the They're a real power couple. Yeah, well, people were kind of rejecting Gil at this point. And they were like, why does Gil get to work with him? Because Gil's running around saying, oh, the child abductor is, and he's really young. And so he was getting a lot of criticism and judgment. But, yes, Ultimately, they they become a power couple. They become a power couple, yes. (laughs) They were kind of criticized. Like, he was criticized, and people were kind of like, why does he get to work with this awesome, like, hotshot detective? But then, yeah, the two of them together are a a power power duo. Mm. So Salerno flew out to meet the designer of Avia Shoes, who provided him with spreadsheets of their sales data. And what police learned was that on January 9th, 1985, 1,356 pairs of these Model 440 Avias entered the U.S. from Taiwan for distribution. Mm. And because of the description of the suspect given by survivors, they reckon they were looking for a black pair of shoes because people had seen him wearing black shoes. And there were only six black 11 and a half aerobic shoes manufactured. Five went to Arizona and only one went to Los Angeles. Whoa. Again, that's some divine shit right there. Wild, right? That's weirdly convenient well it's not because once they figured that out they were completely at a dead end and it went nowhere oh the end so it feels like it's gonna be the smoking gun and then it like fully is not it's very frustrating like that that's you know what that's the other thing about this documentary that i'm remembering now is that every time you're like oh my god they have to get him now something happens where it's like no like you want to pull your hair out because it's like they could they were so close and then you know, yeah. they didn't catch him. What um, a, a yarn dangle, like like for like. Yes, a, it's yes, it's know? like a tease. Yeah, it's yeah. so. It's honestly, it was infuriating to watch. I remember, like, just my watch was like, "You need to breathe, please, before you die." And I was like, "I can't." <laughs> so yeah, so they the dead end, fully dead end with the shoe, but it still became an important factor in that it linked the suspect to other crimes so you know they were still able to see the shoe print and say okay well it's the same guy as this place this place and this place so at least it had that benefit um so even when the la news found out about this detail and wanted to publish it police like begged them not to reveal it because it was like one of the only things that the killer didn't realize he was leaving behind his shoe print and they wanted him to keep wearing the shoes so that you know they could catch him yeah so basically now Gil Carrillo and Frank Salerno began visiting every unsolved murder in L.A., which I presume is a lot, wow. uh, hoping to find a connection between this guy and these other cases. So one of the cases they identified was the case of Mabel and Florence Bell on May 29th, 85. Uh, they were two sisters. This one's I mean, they're all really sad, but this one's really sad. They are two sisters in their 80s um, and they lived together in Monrovia, California, up in kind of like a secluded hillside area 
They were very close. Uh, One of the sisters took care of the other one. A gardener found them in their bedrooms two days later. Mabel had been sexually assaulted and beaten to death with a hammer. And Florence was left in critical condition, barely alive. She survived for six weeks after the attack, but she died on July 15th. Holy shit. Just really brutal, really violent, really nonsensical and sad. So the suspect had entered through a rear door and while committing the murder had stepped on an alarm clock, which I guess had fallen on the floor during the attack. And they were able to match the shoe print on the alarm clock to the shoe print. (laughs) This man needs to cut his feet off because, like, he, (laughs) it is always one step away from, I mean, he just, it keeps his stupid feet. He's like, I'm wearing gloves. I'm not leaving any hair, nothing else. But he's like, just these damn shoes stepping on clocks and he's like (laughs) he's the only one like there's only one pair of shoes in LA I mean there's always so many almost with just his shoes and that's the frustrating thing is you're like this should be able to catch this guy but instead you see they're so close and then these two elderly women get murdered and it's like it's so infuriating because you're like they were so close to saving all these other people or you know preventing all these other murders so it's it's just extra sad and scary so Apparently, after he stepped on this alarm clock and, you know, did what he did pretty morbidly, which we see sometimes, which always freaks me out, is that the suspect had apparently gotten super comfortable after killing Mabel and then, like, had a snack in their kitchen, which always, like, I mean, you know, Golden State Killer did this, too. It's just extra freaky. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a first time, which became somewhat of a pattern, he drew a pentagram in Mabel's lipstick on the bedroom wall. And then he drew it on one of the sister's legs after she died. Weird. I mean, that's awful. And it's also weird because it's like... Yes. For some reason, I understand that, like, he's already killing people. So he's already mentally unstable. But there's something even... It feels like the the lack of stability has increased. Yes, it's almost like he's just... Completely. Especially, like... It's not like he planned it either. He just was like, oh, let me find something to write with. Yeah, so I can talk about Satan for a second. Like it just Ugh. so, and then have a snack. And also, was he being called the Night Stalker at this point? Like, did he did he want the name Night Stalker? Was he? That was a media given name, which I think they usually are in these cases. But I don't actually remember at what point he kind of got the moniker. So I don't know. It was probably around this time. Okay, I, I I'm was... not sure honestly because I wonder what it feels like to like be named after someone else that already did this kind of stuff like because if there was already the original night stalker oh but i don't think he was called was he called the original night stalker before the night stalker i don't know oh i don't know who came first well the original night stalker came first but i don't know if they like yeah i don't know i don't know the naming how the naming worked that's a great point my my thought would be like if you really want to make a name for yourself and all of a sudden you just get the same name someone else already had i don't think he had then i don't think the original night stalker was called I think he was called East Area Rapist at that point, but I'm not totally sure. Um, okay. Anyway, it's literally so unimportant. I was just wondering, like, I wonder for his own ego how it must feel to, like, just share the name with another serial killer. That's a killer. good point, because it says here on the internet, on Wikipedia, it says, D'Angelo was known as the Night Stalker in the area before being renamed the original Night Stalker after Richard Ramirez received the name Night Stalker. So, well, technically, yeah, he, he could have stayed the East Area Rapist. Well, because I was going to say, that since Richard Ramirez is on the West Coast, they could have had, like, East Coast Night Stalker, West Coast Night Stalker. Well, they were both on the West Coast. They were both Southern California. Oh, really? I think yeah. I heard East Area 
and I assumed East Coast. It was just the Sorry. east side of the town of like Visalia or whatever. But um, it was no, it was Southern California. It was like the same area. Sorry, Los I'm Angeles totally County. interrupting you. No, but... you're good. I mean, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But I think Night Stalker was just like such a creepy name that he didn't probably care. Yeah, <laughs> it just rem- it just reminds me of that story you mo- you recently did. Where oh someone- yeah, the the Louisiana whatever Baton Rouge serial killer, and it yeah, was like he a got- different serial killer. Yeah, he ends up just getting called like <laughs> the, the other. other one. So I'm wondering, like, was Richard Ramirez just the other Night Stalker, and like, did he-, he know that about himself? I think and he got he- the Night Stalker, which is like super spooky, and Ugh. I think people even tried to be like, don't call him that. It's like giving him credit you know mm. of like being cool and creepy yeah but i don't know i mean and also the reason that eurons had multiple names people didn't know it was the same guy for decades you right. know what i mean so right. he was in different areas so it wasn't even like clear that they were the same murderer right. so anyway um so at this point police began a question is this person somehow like linked to satanism and it was an 80s satanic panic you know people like loved this link to the devil and teens are practicing Satanism. And this was just a, a big thing back then. Uh, and so, you know, but now he's like fully <laughs> showing pictures of pentagrams. So he really played right into that. Um, and as they continued researching older unresolved cases, a newer case made them raise their eyebrows. So there was an attempted kidnapping of a young woman in Eagle Rock and she had fought the suspect off and he left in a Toyota And pretty soon after that, he made a traffic violation. So he was pulled over, but he didn't have his driver's license. So the traffic instructor, or traffic instructor, the traffic officer (laughs) instructs him to remain at his vehicle while he goes back to his motorcycle to get his citation booklet. Of course, uh, the second he turns around, the suspect gets out of the car. But before running away, he draws a pentagram on the hood of his own car uh, and then runs away. And it turns out this car is stolen. So it doesn't even like link him to anything oh my god i know but he he draws a pentagram on the car and then just like books it away and escapes so now there's this new link to satanism like twice and uh so creo and salerno urge the for the car to be scanned for fingerprints so they give it to lapd and they say like we have his car he's been driving this car like check it for fingerprints right um just a warning it's another pull your hair out situation but seems like it's gonna go well so uh on the night of july 7th detective creo gets a call from his friend and crime scene technician linda arthur and she says you better get over here because the lady across the street from me just got raped and i think it's related to what you're working on (gasps) so his friend literally calls and is like something just happened on my street and i think it has to do with this guy you're looking at wow Okay. So pretty wild. Um, so it was a woman named Sophie Dickman, and she had begun yelling for help from Linda, the neighbor, after a man had gained entry into her house by pulling out her cat door. Oh. Isn't that horrifying? Oh. I'm like, no. No, don't do oh that. Oh, my God. Okay. So he pulled out her cat door. He then raped and handcuffed her to the bed before ransacking the house and then fleeing And then to tally up another five cases in 10 days, on July 8th in Monterey Park, police discovered that 60-year-old grandmother Joyce Nelson had been killed during the night by someone who had broken into her house. Um, And it's also sad because you see all the family members talking about, like, how close they were with, you know, their grandma. And, like, you would never expect your grandma to be brutally murdered in such a way. It's it's really sad. Um, So large amounts of blood had been found on the bed and the floor. He had beaten her to death, left a footprint on the side of her head from like kicking her head oh my god 
but he did not rape her, which was like against some of the other MOs where you're expecting it and then he doesn't. Like it's just, you know, again, all over the place. And also his goddamn footprint. His foot his footprint. He just like puts it's his like foot this is on the episode face. of I- this is the episode of Eyes and Feet. <laughs> I was like, what's that? Oh, this. Yeah, it's I see. our episode. It's I, our I show. The last single, show I ever wanted to host. Every five seconds, it's just another goddamn shoe print that is no one's going to do anything about it. It's so it's, upsetting. It's it's really frustrating. So, you know, it was later discovered that after this murder, the suspect went less than a mile away from Joyce's residence where he entered the house of Sophie Dickman, who was the woman I had just mentioned that he went through a cat door. So mm-hmm. these literally happened a mile apart the same night. So, wow. I mean, he is active. So again, no DNA was found at the crime scene. So on July 9th, the detectives, our pals, the duo, check in with the LAPD about the car they'd been scanning for fingerprints to be like, hey, any results? We're having more murders here. Like, we want to get this guy. Yeah. And it uh, turns out the LAPD, like, just didn't process the car for prints. Um, and counterintuitively, they had left the car out in the sun. So any skin or DNA traces had been completely burned up. Wow. I can't be, I could not be more upset about that. Okay. Yeah, it's moving on. It's infuriating. Um, that being said, they did find something, which was that left inside the car, they found a cheap plastic case. And within that was a business card of a dental office in Chinatown. Mm. Yeah. So this is kind of where we start the ball rolling a little bit. They were probably think. like, fucking finally. I oh, my God. Something, which it's going to be another moment, but it's fine. We, we'll get there. So... <laughs> So they find this card and it was written under the name Richard Mena, M-E-N-A, and it had a fake address filled in. Like they went to the address and it was, you know, fake address. But they would later find out that the suspect had visited this dentist on July 3rd. It was now July 9th, so they had missed him by six days because they were not allowed access to the car. So, like, Ugh. another situation of, like, shit, we could have literally met him at the dentist's office if we had figured this out and caught him. So the police collected the suspect's x-rays from the dentist and Salerno took the x-rays to a personal friend of his who happened to be a dentist to see if anything could be inferred from the x-rays. And the friend said to him, I can tell you he's going to be back. He's got an impacted tooth and it's going to be killing him soon if it's not already. So this was music to Salerno's ears and he was like, all right, he's going to be back to this office. I'm going to place two police officers on surveillance of the dental practice and we're going to wait for him to arrive. Wow. And that is the first half of the Richard Ramirez Night wow. Stalker case. And it's now picking up steam. Amazing storytelling, Christine. And also, uh, can you That's imagine so nice. being a dentist being like... I know, hmm, I was thinking that. I First of all, my hands have been in the mouth of a serial killer. And also now I'm part of this operative sting. <laughs> yeah, like, like, talk uh, about like a case of the Mondays, you know? Truly, they're like, well, he's going to walk back and you have to act totally normal. And we're going to be watching like, oh my God. He seems scary. on it. He seems on it. He volunteered. He was he's like, like he's, the he'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, wow. So. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to see what uh, next week sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it's pretty wild. There's several more pages, obviously. And so um, I wasn't able to cover it all today, but it is 329. So I got to run to Kroger. Um, I so I apologize to peace out so abruptly, everybody. But I'm going to go get my bicep juiced up and I'm so excited. <laughs> That's fine. Good luck to you. And, and then complain to M all the way tomorrow. That's why we get vaccinated. Please, please do it. The end. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>